The message that I have for us this morning, I believe, is a message that's for everybody. I believe the word that the Lord has given me is something that every one of us deals with and wrestles with every single day of our lives. The greatest enemy that we all have, the greatest enemy, I believe, is the spirit of this age. And the spirit of this age, or the world system, the Bible says, is manipulated and ultimately controlled by the God of this world. So yes, demonically, Satan hates you and he wants to destroy you and he works on over time to tear your life down and keep you from advancing. But one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to hold you back, cause you to get lukewarm, cause you to be uh, spiritually destitute through the spirit of the age, okay? And if you're listening to the voices of this world and if you are in friendship with this world, the Bible says two things will happen. The first thing is friendship with the world is enmity or hatred towards God. That's the first thing. The second thing is the world system is designed, especially in our Western American culture, it's designed to keep you lukewarm. You can call yourself a Christian. You can even get on the team and suit up, but just be a bench warmer. Don't get in the game and don't play. God wants you activated. God wants you spiritually hot. And so in Revelation, when Jesus was talking to the church of Laodicea, which by the way, means the people's rule. It means that the people are leading themselves in the name of God. So they thought that they were hot, but they weren't, and they'd actually forsaken their first love. But Jesus says to this church, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And you know how Jesus determined whether they were hot or cold? You know what the determining, deciding factor that represented whether they were hot or cold was? Their works. Now, we understand you're not saved by works, you're saved by grace. But once you get into a position of righteousness and justification with the Lord, we all have a responsibility to live righteous and to live spiritually hot. And our works will determine our works, our worship, the way that we love people, the way that we live our lives, the way that we think the way that we process, all all of the things that we do are indicators of the fire inside of your life and whether you're hot or cold. Because when you're lukewarm, your worship will be passionless. You'll be a part-time churchgoer and you will isolate yourself and not stay connected with the family. And I wanna make something explicitly clear and I love you all so much. The devil wants to get you isolated and alone and tell you I have no need of them. I don't need church, I don't need family, and I can be a Christian all on my own. And I wanna tell you, yes, you can, and yeah, you'll make it to heaven. But I wanna tell you that if you're not a part of a family and a team, you're out of the will of God. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I love you. You may not not agree, but let me tell you why. The hand can't say to the eye or the foot, I have no need of you. We have need of each other. I need you as much as you need me. And we need a family. So what kind of design church am I trying to build here? I'm trying to build a family. And if you read Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the worldwide church of God that comes to the mountain of the Lord, but that there are also local churches and assemblies where we can't forsake being together. You can't forsake it. Now, please understand we're a work in progress. This church has only been here three and a half years. We're pushing over 500 people. If you were, and I don't, 
I have to look at numbers, not because they're determining factors, but because they're pictures and reflections of what we're doing spiritually, okay? But we're pushing a lot of people in a short amount of time, and I'm not after butts in the seat and money in the coffers. What I'm out for is people that are being transformed and lit up and on fire. And the way that I determine success in this church is are you hungry, thirsty, growing, and spiritually doing what God calls you to do? And I'm looking for your works. I'm looking for fruit. I'm a fruit inspector. Now, the lie of the devil is to divide us and divide this church and to get you to think that I don't care and I'm not paying attention and we're living laissez-faire by the edge of our seats. And we're not. Every day I think about this church and I pray about this church. I pray about you in the direction that we're, that we're going. You know the greatest battle that I have to fight in being a pastor in, in Western America? You wanna know what the greatest battle is? Not allowing this church to become institutionalized. You know why? Because most of us that walk in here have come from institutionalized backgrounds. And so there's this subtle pressure you don't even realize that gets put on me to make this church like what you once knew before. Yeah. I have to battle it too because I only came from institutionalized background churches. I wanna build a family where we have church lordship, where I'm not running the church based on rules and policies and regulations. I'm trying to teach us to become a family. And we can continue to sustain the growth and become everything that we're called to do when we raise up mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. You got that? So we can sustain 1,000 and 2,000 people or more and transform this city when we're doing the kingdom right. And the kingdom right is reproduction with sons and daughters. So what's the design? Mama, papa, son, daughter, and culture. Everybody say this with me. Culture, culture. Is, what's is what's normal. Culture determines what's normal in the house. You understand that? So we build a church based on kingdom culture, not job descriptions, hired facilitators. If my leaders aren't mamas and papas and giving their lives wholeheartedly for the sake of the gospel and forsaking all, yeah. one day they'll forsake me. Yeah. Should I say that again? Yeah. If my leaders, and this is an applicable reproductive statement for anybody in spiritual leadership, if your leaders do not forsake all, one day they'll forsake you. Because if they forsook Jesus, if they could forsake Jesus, it's not that hard to forsake a person. So God's looking for disciples. He's looking for a family. He's looking for an army. And the purpose of the church is to train, equip, and send. And to teach people what normal family and kingdom culture looks like. So that my kids at three and four now can be raised in a system where it's never dysfunctional, jacked up, and they never know what many of us once know, knew. So I teach them what's normal. They see normal. They see the life of Christ in everywhere, not just Sunday morning or Wednesday night. We pray. We talk about Jesus. We're not compartmentalizing, God, compartmentalizing Jesus or, or our relationship with him. It's what's normal. So when somebody walks in here that does something that's not normal to this culture, the family is able to lovingly correct, rebuke, and say, hey, man, that's not normal here. That's not what we do. And we do it in a way that's loving and caring, not beating people over the head, not, not chasing people out the door. We want people to come in here. But 
You have to understand, people are going to come in this church with warped backgrounds, warped belief systems, doing things that aren't always indicative or representative of me and the culture of this church. And you know where they'll go as soon as they get offended? Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Or they'll go on to Google and write a review. That church this and that church that. You've got to learn the culture because culture is what's normal. Somebody walks in that believes in polygamy, not normal. I mean, seriously. Somebody comes in here being overly demonstrative in a way that's distracting and not healthy. We, have, we lovingly say, listen, we love your extravagance. We love that heart, but it's not normal. If they come in here and they're manifesting demons, then we have leaders and a family that knows how to lovingly deal with them and cast the demon out, not just chase them out come the on, door. I mean, we first want to try to get them free, right? Not just chase them out the door, okay? And so culture is what's normal. So what is the kingdom culture? Family. It all came down to relationship. And that's why we can't afford to allow ourselves to get isolated. We can't afford ourselves to believe the lies of the devil. And the devil will tell you that I don't care. I'm not involved. I don't have... You know, that that pastor doesn't even have time for you. He won't even meet you for coffee. You've never even hung out with him. He doesn't really care. He's only just like every other pastor, out for money and people in the church. And then the devil slips in to try to isolate and divide you. And I want to dispel the lie by telling you, every day I think and pray. I have a three and a four-year-old, and I'm bivocational. The only way I'll be able to sustain this thing as it grows is by raising you up. You. It can't just be Marlene. And let me tell you, some of you were really robbed. Your kids were robbed. Robbed at youth group, robbed without a youth pastor, robbed with dysfunctional leadership and religious control. We can break that. The, The pastors that I have overseeing the youth right now, Jeremy and Lauren, are some of the most highly loved, full of character and wisdom, mother and father. They don't even have kids yet in the natural. They will. But they walk in the heartbeat of the Lord. Marlene, Doug, all the leaders, Warren, everyone I picked, everyone that I picked, I picked because I saw mother, father, and I believe they had the heartbeat to lay their lives down. Now I'm looking for that in you because as this church continues to grow, tag, you're it. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too white, too black, too anything. You're not too poor, too rich. God wants to use you. And if you are born again, you have a full-grown Jesus living inside of you. You don't have a little seven-pound baby Jesus. Now, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you this. Maturity and fruit production takes time and growth and discipleship. But all of you can be evangelists, ministers, full-time, praying for people, loving. We're sending People out to the streets right now that are brand new Christians to prophesy and learn to use their gifts. You can do it right where you're at right now. Come on. You can do it right where you're at. And you have to stop limiting yourself. What are you waiting for? Listen, if you keep waiting for tomorrow, you'll always be waiting for tomorrow. I'm just telling you right now. I learned this a long time ago. If you're waiting to arrive, you're going to be waiting a long time. Be faithful with what you have now. Yeah. Now, let me tell you the, the biggest challenge in Western American culture. 
is Christians that don't read their Bible, is Christians that are lukewarm, neglecting, not paying the price, not forsaking all, and not laying their lives down for the sake of the gospel and for the lives of others. And I'm saying it nicely, okay? My heartbeat isn't to beat you over the head and tell you how messed up and jacked up you are. But understand this, the gospel, which means good news, is really good news when compared to really bad news. There's a contrast. And people are saved by the contrast because here's how it goes. You've been doing your own thing your whole life, chasing women or chasing men and living at bars and doing drugs and drinking. And you realize at the end, that was a dead end road. And either you got beat down, broke, busted, and disgusted and left empty in the middle of the night or in the morning. And you got tired of beating your head against a wall. And you realize, man, I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm tired of being, a, being drunk and hooked on drugs and dissatisfied and unhappy. It's so bad that I need new life and new hope and I turn away from it, the good news really becomes good news in the light of bad news. And what made the good news so great in the Bible is how bad the, the bad news was with the law of sin and death. The Old Testament was a tutor to lead us to Jesus, but ultimately it was a revealing of the depravity of mankind, the Old Testament. And I love, I read it all the time. I mean, I love, I teach from it. The stories were all designed to be examples for us in how to live today, and they were all types and shadows ultimately of Jesus. But the law of sin and death is just that. And what the law of sin and death does is it breaks you. It was designed to break you so that people could reveal their depravity, be revealed in their depravity. That's what the law of sin and death was. That's why anybody that's not living for Jesus and born again is living under the Old Testament law right. of sin and death. Right. That's why I teach you here, you don't break God's laws, they break you. If you just think you can live, I'm telling you, anybody that doesn't know Jesus is gonna be broken by God's laws at one way, one time, or another. They may have all the money all, and they may seemingly be happy. Don't fall into the deceptive lie. And if you are, read Psalm 73. Psalm 73 will really help you. If you are falling into the de deceptive lie of this world system, people being wealthy, they have all the money, they don't seem to have any problems. I mean, there's people making millions of dollars a day, celebrities, and if you're not careful, you're gonna find yourself comparing your spiritual life to them. And what I wanna tell you today is before we dive into the scripture is you've got to unhook from the world. Yeah, good. Listen, stop listening to what the atheists and the liars of this world have to say about Jesus and God. It's not doing you any good. You've gotta spend less time on Facebook and Instagram and surfing the internet and all the things in this world and spend more time giving a diligent heed to the things of God. I'm gonna show it to you in the Bible and what happens when you don't. Now look, I'm in the same fight too. And I like to get on Facebook and I like to get on Instagram and I post pictures of my family. I want you to see my kids and I want my life as an open book. I'm not hiding from anyone or anything. I don't have anything to prove to anyone and neither do you. The only thing that we prove is the greatness of who God is by the witness of our life, okay? Oh, wow. yeah. And so today is a challenge. Today is a call higher because there's more. Let's all say because there's more. So God wants us to live in more, and it's a motto of this church, all right? So let's read a, a powerful scripture in the context of what I'm teaching you today. You guys ready? Are you guys all right? Yes. Okay, is it okay that I challenge you? I mean, 
our Western American church has done less and less and less and less to try to make you feel good 10 years in hopes that you'll come back. But we got to be called to the cross. And we got to be reminded of the great news of what Jesus did to transform our lives, right? Yeah. Am I the only one fired up? Do we need to let out a shout in this place? Yeah. Woo. Come on. I don't want some sissy, dead, sleepy church. I'm not out to play church. We are the church. We're an army of God. Let's get fired up and show it. Oh, man, don't you just feel the fire when you let out a shout? It just feels so good. All right, we're going to have some fun. I know this scripture well, so I'm going to just break it down. We're going to move kind of quick. Is that all right? I'd encourage you to take notes, but remember, you can listen to this message again online on our podcast at Rock City Corpus. All the messages are on podcast, all right? Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Let's just leave that right there for a moment. If we're not giving a more earnest heed to the things we've heard, we're going to drift away. There's two sides to the hearing coin. The one side is, is there's people that have never heard and don't know. The second side of the coin is we've heard, we know, but we're not giving in an earnest heed to what we've heard. And in turn, the result is we drift away. Verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, which it did, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, which it did, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Verse 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So here's the question. The question comes from verse three. How can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is you can't escape. You can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. And if you find yourself neglecting your spiritual life, the end result is going to be you're going to drift away. And the result is not a positive result. It causes us to be spiritually dumbed down. It causes us to forget. It causes us to lose sight of who we are and who God is. We lose understanding. And the scripture to back all that up is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if you're neglecting the spiritual life and you've got to be honest with yourself, my job is to call you out of a lukewarm lifestyle. Do you understand? Okay. This isn't my first rodeo as a pastor. Anytime somebody comes to me broke, busted, disgusted, arguing, fighting, confused, discontent, cussing each other out, I guarantee you they're not hearing God's voice and, and giving diligent, earnest heed to their spiritual walk with Christ. 99.99999% of the time. If we're doing something right here, the broke, busted, disgusted, and spiritually destitute are going to walk in here. But when they walk in here, what are they going to find? They should find a family of mamas and papas that are giving earnest heed. Yeah. And you're not waiting on the pastor. Come on. My job is to point you to him and get lordship in your life. Yeah. So let's break a few of this down. You can't escape if you neglect such a great salvation. Here's the theme of the scriptures I just read. 
It's to first give earnest heed, and I'll talk about that in a moment, what it means to give the more earnest heed. But then it says, if we neglect, if we neglect such a great salvation, let's talk about that for a moment. You know what it means to neglect something? To neglect something means to not pay proper attention. You're not paying attention. It also means to disregard. It means to be careless. And here's the ultimate result. It means that I fail to care, therefore I fail to do. When you're careless and not paying spiritual attention, the end result will be a lukewarm, lack of works-based lifestyle, and in turn, you'll slip away and drift away. This is important because I know the attack that's upon the church today from from the world system that's out to bombard you every day. I'm telling you, TV, commercials, Hollywood, even things that aren't necessarily bad. It's so subtle, you won't even realize it. I mean, we, we watch some Disney cartoons, but I have to pay attention to every single one because so many of them are full of witches, magic, new age, and now these teen shows, because sometimes the channel stays on Disney Channel, and there's a new one like something about Cali, something, I don't even know what it was, And I walked in and the girl was doing tarot cards. That's world normal. And I'm going to get violently aggressive. I'm excited about it. I mean, I'm actually really fired up. (laughs) The more that they try to convert my kids, the more I'm going to convert their kids. That's the thing. It's a showdown. We're we're Elijah on Mount Carmel, guys. We're going to call the fire down on all those tarot card readers. Listen, be honest with yourself if you're neglecting. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to beat you down. I'm here to lift you up. When I bring light to something in your life and you go, yep, he's got me. He's reading my mail. Just say busted. Let's all say I'm busted. Okay? I'm here to walk this out with you too. We're all in this fight. Come on. If you think I'm living in the cloud on the top of the mountain 24-7, just ask my wife. She'll tell you how in the valley I get. The point is, is we're all fighting the fight. But it's got to be a good fight that comes from faith. And every day, if you're not getting your daily bread and you're not giving an earnest heed, you will drift away, mark my words. And some of you are already drifting. You're a spiritual drifter. And you're just cranking up the song, Ramblin' Man. You're like a country Ramblin' Man song. You're ready to be the electric cowboy and just ride off into the sunset and never settle down. I think that's so funny right there. What's the song by the Zach Brown band? It's not called Rambling Man. The one where he's drifting off, never settles down. And because oh, I'm a rambling man. I'm a, is that it? I'm a rambling man? Well, there you go. You hear it is, but you don't know it, right? You don't know it. So no neglecting from what? No neglecting from what? Go back to verse one, from the things we've heard. That's why my greatest message everywhere I go, the greatest thing I can teach you is to hear the voice of the Lord for yourself. If you are not hearing his voice, you will get led astray by another voice. Voices are always coming into your head to lure you away and get you drawn away. You must be fed by the ticker tape feed from heaven. 
not CNN, Fox News, Facebook, and the cares of this world. If you're gonna be a good soldier that wars effectively, you must be hooked in to the general. You gotta be getting your orders from the general, which means you're gonna have to get more spiritual. I cannot, you can't be too spiritual. Now, in the world's eyes, and even in Christianity, too spiritual can be my head so in the clouds, I'm never doing anything on earth. I've already corrected that by saying, your works determined how hot or cold you are. You must have deed and word. Let's say this, deed, deed. and word. word. If next time you do a Bible study, I want you to, to search in your concordance or Bible gateway or your blue letter Bible, deed and word. You can't just give lip service. There must be action. This church believes in the supernatural. It's what's normal. Yeah. I want to say it's what's for dinner, but we need to come up with a slogan. The supernatural, it's what's normal. It's what's for dinner. I like that. We should just go ahead and take that. Now, on a Sunday morning, you're not seeing me necessarily cast out demons, interpret dreams, lay hands on the sick. I pray a little bit in tongues on occasion as a lesson that it's normal, and sometimes you need to hear it and be reminded that that's biblically normal. We're a full gospel church. And there's a lot of churches out there that are not full gospel. They're good, but they're incomplete. Let's say that, good, but incomplete. So we're not out to tear them down, but we're out to be that voice for, for the power and the supernatural of God. And the reason for that is Jesus said in John 10, that the Pharisees were ready to stone him and kill him in John 10. You know why? Jesus even asked him, why do you want to kill me when you've seen the works that I do? I'm paraphrasing some of John 10 for you. And they said, we don't want to kill you for the works. We want to kill you because you're blaspheming and claiming to be God. And he says, hey, you don't have to believe. If you don't believe in me, at least believe in what I do. Believe my works because works demonstrate the reality of who he is. That's why the young adults are so on fire, and that's why God is raising up a generation that's desperate and hungry for the presence and the power of God because they're getting struck by lightning. Yeah. Yeah. You need a lightning strike. I need a lightning strike, and then you become a lightning strike. That's right, I like that. Now I'm giving you the word today, and I might preach three hours. I'm not, I've been gone for five days. I got to make up for time. <laughs> so hearing is knowing. Let's say that hearing, hearing. Is, knowing. is knowing. You are what you hear. You are what you hear and you become what you hear. That's why Hebrews three and Hebrews four is all about today. If you'll hear his voice. And not become hard in your heart. Not hearing God's voice makes your heart hard and then you rebel. Just like the Israelites did in the wilderness. I can't tell you enough how critical it is that you're hearing God's voice. And you know how many times I said, God, I, I don't feel like I'm hearing your voice. He says, read my Bible. Read my word. You want to hear God's word, God's voice for your life? Read your Bible. And many times God said to me, I'm not going to speak to you. From, a, from my rhema voice because I've already spoken to you about that topic in my Bible, in my word. 
And if you're sitting here destitute and dry saying, God, where are you? I don't speak. I'm not hearing you. I don't know what's happening. He's saying, read your Bible. Because every time I feel spiritually dry and distant from the Lord, and I'm like, God, where are you? The minute I make the sacrifice to go sit with him and crack open my word to listen and spend time with him, he downloads his voice upon me. And let me tell you how that works. Hebrews 4.10 says, the word of God is supernatural. Doesn't say it quite like that, but that's my version. The word of God is quick and sharp. It's alive and active. It's more powerful than a submachine gun. It doesn't say machine gun because they didn't have them then. It says a double-edged sword, but same thing. The point is, is that God's word is supernaturally powerful. And what it does is it aligns your life, circumcises your heart, corrects you and puts things in order. And when your life gets in order, God says, oh, now I'm gonna breathe upon you. You will not hear God's voice consistently and clearly until you start getting in your Bible and reading your Bible because he doesn't have much to work with without the word inside of you. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. So here's what happens. If you're hearing voices in your head, that are not the Holy Spirit and the Lord, you become what you're hearing. And then you believe those lies. People don't care, they won't love me, you fall into shame, you get isolated, you won't connect, you won't hook in, you'll stay disconnected and ultimately you'll, you will drift away. It's just the reality of it. So the gospel's key. Now we preach the gospel, the gospel's powerful. If you wanna hear some incredible gospel preaching that I think is some of the best on the planet, listen to Dan Moeller. We've already got a bunch of his sermons on our podcast. Listen to his YouTube. Listen to Dan Moeller as much as you can, but make sure that you're doing something else. There's a lot of good books and a lot of good preachers. I like to listen to Bill Johnson. I listen to John Paul Jackson's teachings, Dreams and Mysteries. I love all that. But at some point, You've got to stop getting someone else's revelation and get your own. Now, let me just tell you, I love to teach you. I love to bring revelation. But the desire that I have is that it spurns you on to go get it for yourself. But it has to be doctrinally lined up. That's culture. That teaches what's normal. That's why we need mothers and fathers and disciplers so that somebody doesn't get goofy. And I got more stories to tell you about people getting goofy than I know what to do with, okay? So we've gotta be in relationship with each other, all right? And so understand that the kingdom's big. I can't give you everything in 45 minutes on a Sunday morning or an hour. So you spend time in the word, you listen to other speakers that you know and you like and will make recommendations, but more than anything, you've gotta be listening to God's voice for yourself. Know what the gospel is and what it means, all right? So God confirmed through the hearing, first to the apostles, then to us through the word. The gospel's made clear and revealed first through the Bible and then preachers. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says, how will they hear? Romans 10, 14 says, how will they hear? How will they know if somebody doesn't preach to them and tell them? So we need people to go out and bring the word, all right? What does it mean to drift? To drift means to slip. It means to be careless. It means to be carried away aimlessly. It means to become passive in your faith 
whether voluntary, vol- voluntarily or involuntarily. I call it casual Christianity. There's no such thing as casual Christianity, guys. This isn't just get our passport stamped and make it to heaven. This is a supernatural reality of who God has called us to be, all right? So, earnest heed is two words. Everybody say earnest heed. Earnest means superabundant, more earnest, and exceeding, or more frequent. Everybody say more frequent. Say, I need to be more frequent, right? We all do. And it's a daily constant battle to find the time, whether on your lunch break, in the morning, before you go to bed. It's so easy to get tempted by scrolling on Facebook till you fall asleep or the news or the weather channel. I get all that. I know that. I even sometimes fall prey to that. But if I want more, I've got to give the more earnest heed so that I don't slip away. And the end result, as the scripture says, was God's supernatural outpouring of power. And if you really want it, you got to pay the price to get it. All right, that's what I'm trying to say to you today. This isn't breaking bad. This is breaking average. God doesn't want you to be average. Come on, there's no such thing as average Christianity. We're called to be super abundant. Now, I really am almost finished. I'm gonna give you a couple scriptures. How long has it been? It's one o'clock? That's right. I got 15 more minutes. Okay? Guys, come and be paid. Look, go get a triple shot espresso. Come and lit up, fire it. Whatever you got to do, I don't know what to tell you. No, then you won't be able to stand still, and you're going to have to keep going to the potty. So, Oh, the kids are getting rocked back there right now. I mean, you got Melody and Felicia in charge. They're getting Holy Ghost. Listen, it's about time that I preach the gospel to my four-year-old. My, I'm, and she'll make the choice. She's ready. And let me tell you, today I set my daughter up on the table, was giving her some aloe vera juice. She loves it. Zion walks in all fired up, and wham, she just whacks him right in the head, kicks him in the head. <laughs> that must have been payback for the night before because Zion was so fired up that he came in roaring like a lion, Zion the lion, and he just wham, just punches her. They need Jesus bad. I'm just trying to tell you they need Jesus bad. Now, listen, I don't want to make my kids seem like they're demon babies. Let me just tell you. They, they can't stand being away from each other. They, they love each other. They're brother and sister. But they need Jesus too. They need to know the gospel at some point when Cadence can full, Zion and no, I can't get Zion to sit still for 10 seconds. But Cadence fully listens. I teach her. I talk to her. And I want my daughters and my sons and your daughters and sons to come here or in your home and bedroom to give their lives to Jesus and see what supernormal natural looks like in the home. I sing in tongues, and it's not weird. I'm like, let's pray, everybody. Come on. I lift my hands. We put some worship music on. We have dance parties. We just love you. My kids come up there and sit on the stage. He's ready to shake the shaker. You saw uh, Nathan's son, Aiden, up there on the, on the little mandolin. You know, and yeah, we let some of our kids do that sometimes. We want our kids in here so that they experience that kind of life, right? So I'm going to give you just a few things, and then we're going to be done, all right? If we do what God has called us to do in giving earnest heed 
and not neglecting and drifting away, not only will we be like Jesus and do what he did in word and deed, but we'll become everything he's called us to become as sons and daughters, and then we'll reproduce sons and daughters all over the world, okay? God wants us to be like him, and becoming like him requires us to know him in knowledge and understanding. Let's say knowledge and understanding. You've got to get knowledge and understanding. You've got to. The second thing is identity and faith. Let's say identity and faith. The next thing is our thought process. Let's say our thought process. To know him in love and to know him in power. All right? I'm going to give you just a few scriptures and then we're going to pray. Here's understanding and knowledge, all right? Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. And uh, we'll come back to the Hosea one. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now first, your house, my life, becomes filled with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And now the rooms of my heart and my mind are filled with pleasant riches, precious and pleasant riches, and now my, I have understanding and I'm established. This is such a powerful scripture, powerful. But it also is my wife, my children. Now she's growing more spiritually. My kids will come into that. And suddenly we have a home that is filled with rare and precious, beautiful treasures, right? But look at Hosea 4, 6. My people are actually destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because why? They reject it. And when they reject knowledge, he rejects them from being a priest for him. Because why? They forget the law of our God. And he says he'll forget our children. Because rejecting, if you actually understand what rejecting means, rejecting means I've turned completely against and I want nothing to do with it. Why would we ever think we're gonna receive rewards and blessings from heaven when we turn away? and from the Lord. And the greatest reward and blessing is to see our children come up knowing him, all right? So let's not reject, let's not forget, and let's not have a lack of knowledge in our life. The next is identity and faith. Identity and faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 is powerful. Deuteronomy 32 teaches the song of Moses right before he died. And this song, Moses was teaching to the children of Israel so they'd never forget if they turn away from the Lord. And here's what he says. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. So they're unmindful, they forgot. And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them. Because why? Of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Verse 20, and he said, I'm just gonna hide my face from them and see what their end will be. We don't want God to hide his face from us. For they're a perverse generation, children in whom there's no faith. Let's not be like that. Let's have faith, let's not be, let's not forget, let's not be unmindful. Now let's talk about your mind for a minute, all right? There's so much on your mind. But look at this scripture, Isaiah 26.3. I love this. You guys should print this out on your printer and put it on your bathroom window. Because he's the prince of peace and the peace he gives you passes all understanding. But notice this, he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. On the Lord, why? Because he trusts you, trusts in you. You know what stayed means? Stayed is a unique word. You would think it means that I'm like overly focused all the time. 
Actually, stayed means I'm constantly leaning on him and I'm finding my rest from him. And because I'm leaning on him, let's say that, lean on him. Because I lean on him, the result, there's a result. And the result is being sustained, refreshed, and revived. So when we lean on him and trust in him and stay our mind, my mind's constantly leaning on him, what happens is I become refreshed and revived. God wants us to lean on him. Reminds me of a song. On me when you're not Come on, everybody. Yeah. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you this is the Lord saying this to you. You just got to lean on him. Yeah. Come on, isn't that fun? Let's have some, we can have some fun. So love, Jeremy, you know, last two weeks ago, I preached a strange message. I preach some strange messages sometimes. I don't know what to tell you, all right? I mean, I just do what the Lord tells me to do. I know sometimes they're out of left field. I know sometimes they're like really, really in the clouds in the heavens, but that's kind of how I'm wired. I preached the message 313, a new time. It was the last time I preached. This 313 thing is everywhere for me right now. 313, the New Testament means to be begotten again and born again. And it's the, the hospital room I was in in December. And God says, I'm doing a 313, which then God showed me he's begotten me as a son. And he's taking me back to sonship. And then I'm seeing fours everywhere. And fours, the number fours, 4444 in the Strong's Concordance is Abba or Ab, Father. And God's reminding me, bringing me back. This is what's happening to me. And if it's happening to me, it's going to happen to you if you're a part of this church. Because ultimately, it's like osmosis. What God's doing in the head, he's doing to all of us. And what is it? Sonship, identity, understanding who you are. Don't get sidetracked by the other stuff. God always wants to remind us. So when I leave the conference in West Virginia, I'm driving down the road, just worshiping and doing my thing. And I see the exit for Pleasant City. And guess what road it's on? 313. I took a picture of it. I'll show it to you another time. I got more pictures. Yesterday, I was taking a nap with my kids. My daughter makes a noise. I open my eyes, look at the clock, and it's 313. I grab my phone and take a picture. Because if you don't understand being faithful with the mysteries of God and working them and studying them out, God's not going to give you more. And I want more. I'm I'm not playing games, guys. This isn't a show. You need some more fire in your life. Let's all say, I need some more fire in my life. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna leave you with this. This is it. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I draw you. The Lord's constantly drawing you and he wants you to know him like never before. At the end of the scriptures I read at the beginning in Hebrews 2.4, it says power, supernatural signs and wonders, and miracles. And that God wants us to demonstrate who he is supernaturally. This isn't a show. This can only happen because of who you are and what's inside of you. If we just did healing services all the time and God was pouring out, supernatural healing, we'd have lines outside and down the street. People are sick. 
But right now what God wants to do, of course we're having healing. We had an incredible healing service two Wednesday nights ago. And I want all of you to know that we're here. My breathing's the best it's been all year long right now. I just wanna tell you guys that. I mean, I'm clear. I'm, I haven't been complaining to my wife. Right? You haven't even heard me talk about it much, have you? And so we're going after it. But what God really wants to do is get us to a place where we're not drifted, we're solid, and we're a family. It's time for all of us to go deeper than we've ever gone before. The world is waxing worse and it's getting darker and darker. And the, and the only ones that are, gonna, that are staying this te- test of time and the only marriages that are gonna make it because there's a massive attack on marriage. I'm telling you right now, the devil's working on overtime to destroy marriages. You know why? Because marriage is a du- direct reflection of Jesus and his bride. He's working on overtime, guys. It's time for all of us to not neglect, pay the more earnest heed, stop being spiritual drifters, and to be willing to do whatever it takes so we don't forget and become unmindful. Okay? You have been listening to a message from David Bendett, senior pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening. Until next time, and stay fired up.